Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest. I, I don't know about you, but I, I know for me, as I grew up in the church and um, went to church and heard the Billy Graham messages and understood that the cross was something important. The cross meant Jesus on it, right? And as we grow and as we mature and, and as our mind expands, as our theology is developed, we begin to understand like why. But I don't know about you, but for so long I, I didn't really understand the magnitude of the why. And you know, when we think of like doctors or nurses or paramedics, when something bad really happens and someone is about to die, oftentimes what they have to do is they have to go to extreme measures. I don't know about you, but like if you're a father or mother, it doesn't matter who you are in the room, and if you have like a little one and someone kidnaps your child, yeah, I'm going to call the police, and I'm going to like ask the church to pray, but you better believe I'm going to have and do extreme measures. (laughs) Because... There's, there's a drastic shift of like, I have to do something. Like, yes, I'll pray. And yes, I'll call the cops. And yes, but like, you get to a point where you have to make a decision. Like, I got to do something. And if, if I was kidnapped, if someone, something happened to me, I hope that you would take extreme measures to get me back. <laughs> right? Like, extreme measures. But when a doctor has to make a decision Do I do this or not? Because if I don't, they will die. And so I I have to step back and I have to take extreme measure. And when you look at the cross, what you have to realize is that God had to make a decision for you and for me. And he had to take extreme, like why the cross? Why the gruesome nature? Why, Why the bloodshed? Why the whipping? Why the broken? Why the Roman Empire way of dying a gruesome death? Why the extreme measure of the cross? I want to take you to the backstory, to the context. If we were to go 740 years before that moment, before the cross, before Jesus ever took the step towards the skull, the hill, before Jesus ever even walked on this earth, before all of that, 740 years before, I want to read to you what this man Isaiah wrote. Notice, 740 plus years before, and it says this, and we find this in the message translation. It says this, Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought that God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand, One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum, but the fact is it was our pains he carried. Our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us, we thought he brought it on himself. 
that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. It was our sins. He took the punishment that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. He was beaten and he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan was deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it through what he experienced my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones. As he, carry, as he himself carries the burden of their sins, therefore I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest of honors, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest, he took on his shoulders the sin of the many, and he took up the cause of all of us black sheep. Extreme measure. Isaiah pens this, forecasts the future of this Jesus that would die a gruesome death, a horrific death, a painful death, while many stood back and had no idea what was taking place. Isaiah knew that there would be a man, not just any man, God in the flesh that had to take your and my brokenness, your and my anguish, your and my addiction. This story is a backstory. It's like, what are you doing in this, God? Like, why, why this? What's the context here? And it's we find it so interconnected that it's God's doing, but it's also our story. I mean, look at the Old Testament, friend. Look at it from the beginning with the garden and with the sin and with the mess up and with the scarce. I don't need God. I, I need my way. I'll do it my way. Or it was her fault. It was his fault. It was somebody else's and putting the blame and playing the victim and not taking responsibility for our own. This is our story. But yet Jesus said, I'll take that story as mine. It's my story, not yours, actually. I'll cover it. I'll stand in the gap. And all throughout history, our story is manipulation 
my way, not God's. Sin, wickedness, theft, greediness, the heinous of acts upon people and children and neighbor and friend and mother and father. This is our story of brokenness, by the way. And we see in the depiction of Isaiah, all of that placed on him. All of it. Max Licato, a pastor, says this, no matter what the storm clouds bring, you can face your pain with courage and hope. For 2,000 years ago, six hours, one Friday, Christ firmly planted in bedrock three solid anchor points that we can all cling to. For the heart scarred with futility, that Friday holds purpose. For the life blackened with failure, that Friday holds forgiveness. And for the soul looking into the tunnel of death, that Friday holds holds deliverance. My friend, you are free because of the cross. Nothing you've done, I'm sorry, man, nothing you can do. Your sin is too heavy. Your darkness, too dark. The monsters that follow, you can't fight them on your own. They had to be placed on something greater and more powerful and more, with more authority, and that's Christ. And you know, as I kind of sit back and think about today, I don't think we pause long enough, to be honest. We don't. We like to get to Sunday as quick as we can. It's like, man, how do I get there, wherever that there is, as quick as I can? Not realizing that it's in the in-between spaces that God's transformative power works. And yet, our story looks quite interesting, doesn't it? Because I know many people, myself included, it's like, I want to get to like where I have to go because I got Christ. Like, man, I want to like get there, wherever there is. And we try to expedite it. We try to bypass all of the pain and the trial and the suffering and the brokenness, not realizing that it's the pain, the trial, the suffering and the brokenness that does something to you. And so we sit, my friend, you must sit in the silence at times. Sit long enough and God will speak to you. Sit long enough in the pain and he will give you the answer. Sit long enough enough in your unforgiveness and he will show you he is the only source for forgiveness. And the problem within our culture is we don't like to sit long enough in the dark. And yet Saturday came, and it was dark, and it was bleak, and it was painful, and it was terrifying. But don't forget the word of God. He told us over and over and over again, and on the third day, the Son of Man will rise, and on the third day, the Son of Man will conquer, and on the third day, I will be resurrected. He told us that. You know, he tells you that about your circumstance and your problem and your issue and your darkness and your monster. He says, I have already conquered it. I've already already done that, man. That was 2,000. I've conquered that. Why are you living so much without confidence of faith? 
God is the one who will see you through. But can we stand in the in-between long enough? And my friend, I, I, I think we do a horrible job at that. And so there's maturity taking place. There's growth happening. There's, there's faith that must arise within the bleakness of Saturday. You see, it was not necessarily the whip to his back or the blows to his face. It was actually death by suffocation. You see, the Romans, through the Assyrians, through the Babylonians, perfected the crucifixion. How can I be so gruesome and wicked and put punishment on a man or a woman? How can I do that and make them feel everything they've done? And so the Assyrians would just impale you. But there was hardly any suffering in that. And the Babylonians seemed to figure out like, oh, maybe we can put this person on, on some type of a stand and make them sit there long enough to feel the pain of, of what they did. And then the Romans said, oh, let's nail their hands and their feet. And before we nail their hands and their feet, let's whip them as many possible times as we can so that their back is raw. And let's, let's make them carry the cross, their cross. And so Jesus is on the cross, dies by suffocation. Why? Because imagine being nailed and in order to breathe because his chest is brought in, his diaphragm is brought in, his airwaves are, are, are very small, cannot breathe. In order to breathe, he has to push off the nails. But not just the nails, his raw back has to grind against the wood of the tree just to breathe and then... Can't breathe, can't breathe, can't breathe. God, why have you forsaken me? I can't breathe. Suffocation, I can't breathe. You see, this would allow his diaphragm and airways to have enough space to breathe as he pushed off. But each time he did this to breathe, it would have been excruciating pain until he couldn't breathe no longer. Jesus' breath for people, notice this, Jesus breathes for people that can't breathe for themselves. Did you know that? I'll prove it to you. The only way for us to breathe was to take Christ's breath. The only way to live the life God's called you is to take on his spirit, to take on his breath. Let's renew our awe and our wonder back to the crucifixion just for a moment. Your sins are forgiven, friend. Your transgressions, your brokenness, your shame, it's covered by his blood. There's a passage of scripture as we sort of move down. I want to read to you in John 20, actually. John 20, verse 19 to 23. Jesus says these words as he comes back and the scripture says that he's appearing to and fro after the resurrection. He says these words, John 20, it says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands in his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Watch this. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And, when, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Hmm. You see, in order for me to do what God has called me to do, I, I must receive the Holy Spirit. I must breathe in his goodness. I must inhale everything that is of God. Because there's a lot of things we can inhale here on this earth, can't we? And it really does a, a deep work in us. It, it, it sort of messes us up from inside. And then he says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Why would Jesus say that? Jesus is showing us that without him, you cannot forgive. My friend, I've, I've seen it firsthand. A man that cannot forgive his wife. A wife that cannot forgive her husband, a, a, a brother that cannot forgive a brother because they have no breath in them to inhale and exhale forgiveness. To inhale and exhale the, the extreme measure that Christ gave to us, that Christ took on us, that Christ allowed us to step into and to walk into. It was God who did that. And then there's a passage of scripture, Matthew 27, starting at verse 28, says this. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, this was right before the crucifixion, and to avoid ceremony, ceremonial uncleanliness, or uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat at the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man, Jesus? Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others tell you about me? I am a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate retorted a question that we'll ask for the rest of eternity. What is truth? With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But it is for your custom for me to release to you a prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted. So to say he was a king, it would enrage them even more. Because in their eyes, Jesus was no king. They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. You see, we serve a king, my friend. You've heard me say this over and over and over till I'm blue in the face. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you serve a king. And his king is not the same 
his kingdom is not the same as this. It's a different space. It's a different way. It's a different breath. And he died. His name was Jesus, that king. And it was painful to see, and it seemed as if all hope was lost. You know what they put above him on the cross? Here, the king of the Jews. And yet they had no idea that he was just the king of all. The king of the entire world, not just the Jews. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile, then to the entire world. And that king, my friend, I can bow to. That king I will give my life to. Why? Because <laughs> what other choice do I have? have? Have you tried to live life without Jesus? Do you remember like your BC days before Christ? <laughs> like go back for a moment. Maybe you're in the wrestle right now. You're in the in-between of Saturday. You're just not quite sure which space to go into. Which direction to follow? Yeah, maybe Jesus is calling somebody right now. <laughs> Kidding me. <laughs> but remember, this is where faith must arise. When God says something, he will see it through. Doesn't he? But the question is, do you believe that? Like, do you, do you, do you receive that? Like, there's a reason that he had, do you understand the backstory? There is no possible way we can get to God without the cross. There is no possible way you can walk the resurrected life without the cross. There is no possible way you can grow and mature and develop if it wasn't for Good Friday. And so I sit back and I'm like, man, all of my iniquity and transgression and sin I deserve, you know you deserve it, by the way? You deserve it? Jesus is like, no, I'll take that on so that you can live, so that you can breathe, so that you can walk with the Spirit of God. I just am curious where you're at tonight. Like, are you in the in-between of Friday to Sunday? I, I just, I know so many individuals that are walking and it feels like darkness and it's bleak and it's painful and it's gruesome. And so we must sit in it at times. We must live in it at times. We must embrace it actually. You know, the problem is we don't like to lean into the pain and yet it's actually leaning in that God can do his greatest work. Because we try to run from our cross. Did you know Jesus said, if you want to follow me, all right, pick up your cross. Remember, to the Jew or the person, the individual in the Roman Empire, to hear that statement was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean pick up my cross? I don't want crucifixion. You want me to die? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? And yet, every single one of us will have a cross that we have to carry. I don't know what your cross is. I have no idea. I know that there are moments where there are crosses that I have to carry. I know that for a father, there's a certain cross you have to carry. For a mother, there's a certain cross you have to carry. I know that as a disciple of Jesus, I am not exempt from the cross. 
And that's the problem. And, and if anything, that's the terrifying nature of like kind of where we're going. It's like you can have Jesus and be good and it's amazing and there's like no suffering. You're good. Oh man, like you got suffering? Something must be off with you. It's like, no, friend. That's where God does his greatest work. And so my encouragement for all of us is like to sit in it at times. Like feel like when was the last time you actually, like, I don't want it to just be on Friday, Good Friday, that we really feel the weight of our stuff and be like, wow, thank God he took that on, for, on all of us. Again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. That is love. To die like that and he didn't deserve it, by the way. So where are you in all of this? You know, um, I recognize that on a night like this, CEOs probably won't go to, to church. What I mean by CEOs is, I'm going to talk about it on Sunday, just briefly. Kelly, Kelly used to say, oh, I was like a CEO Christian. I'm like, what's a CEO? I've never heard that. She's like, Christmas, Easter only. I'm like, oh, oh. Interesting. There's some CEOs out there. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but like, I, I don't want that label. <laughs> I, I don't want to just, on Christmas I'll be there, on Easter I'll be there, and then like, well, what about all of the in-between spaces? Oh, oh, this is what happened. When it gets really difficult for you, when all hell breaks loose over your family, Oh, I got to get to church. Jesus, God, help me. And it's like, yes, hey, man, we're going to invite you in. But, like, that's not what it's about. Is he there for you? 100%. But why not live in it with him so that you can experience resurrection power? Why not breathe in it? Why not pick up your cross? Why not become an actual disciple of Jesus? Why not abide and obey and live and follow him? And then we wonder why. I don't know how many times I've heard people tell me this. I'm a Christian, man. I believe in Jesus. It's like, really? And, and, and no, hear me. Please hear me on this. There's, there's no, like, I'm, the, the judgment has to be, right, the plank in my eye, you know, that kind of thing. I had an actual piece of wood fall in my eye once, and it was terrifying. <laughs> what I mean, but... Yeah, really, I had to go to the doctors. He had to, like, pull it out, and I'm like, wow, Jesus, you're trying to teach me something here. <laughs> but what I mean by that is, myself included, I'm in this with you. I do not want to play. Life is too short, friend. I recognize that as an almost 30-year-old. I'm like, the year of Jesus, let's go. I recognize that, that life is so fast and it's fleeting. My mom told me the other day, she's like, you're almost 30. Has it not gone by fast? I'm like, yeah. She's like, your 40s go by way quicker. I'm like, thanks, mom. <laughs> but but I, I need that reminder. Why? 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 Because life is too short, friend. Life is too short to be playing around, be playing games with God. Life is too short to treat God like a genie in a bottle. Because you miss 
the beauty and the wonder and the power of the breath of God. You miss it. And I've, I've walked with Jesus long enough to experience that in my mind, in my heart, in my being. And I would not have that if it wasn't for the cross. Because I would be so stuck on my sin, so stuck on my mess up, so stuck on my past, I would be depressed walking around wishing he had done something different when all the while my mind can comprehend, friend, Sam, God says let that go as far as the east is from the west. Your sins are forgiven forevermore. Not by anything you have done. Don't make any mistake about that. It's not you, it's God. It's Jesus, it's the cross. It's the pain of the cross. It's the brokenness of the cross. It's all of your junk and your evil and your mess up placed on him. And for that, I'm like, man, God, like, why wouldn't I live this life for you? And it's, it's in the living. Man, I'm living and I'm wrestling. I'm living. I'm in the Saturdays and I'm in the church. It's in the living that I begin to, oh, my gosh, I see what Jesus meant this whole time when he says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. But it requires you picking up a cross. If you live here in America, we actually have it pretty easy compared to other countries. But we have our crosses, right? Traffic. <laughs> right? We have a place under our head and we're still complaining. Like, we have our cross, but then it goes deeper than that, and, and life begins to kick in. Real life kicks in, right? Divorce and pain and, and a child passing away and, and injustice done to one another. And the, the, the ache of sin seems to prevail at times. My friend, when that happens, I have to look to the cross. I have to go to God. I have to, be, I have to breathe what God breathes so that I can see, so that I can live, so that I can walk. And I'm sort of giving like a teaser for Sunday. But this quote struck me to my core, and I'm, I'm done. So worship, you guys can come on up. So sit on this in the in-between. Just sit on it. It's your homework if you're planning on coming on, on Sunday. A man named T.D. Jake says this quote. He says, salvation is the root, but resurrection is the fruit. I'll let you sit on that with God. I'll say it again. Salvation is the root. That's the root. But, the resur but resurrection is the fruit. But how does fruit produce? Like, how does that happen? It doesn't just, it's, it's just there, right? There's, there's an in-between phase, space, that 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 we as disciples of Jesus must have so much faith to know the power of God that we can sit in it long enough to know that he's doing, he's producing something in me. But too many of us jump out. We get out because it's, it's getting too hard and I'm getting persecuted and I kind of like this sin stuff for a moment and then it gets hard and I'm back. But it's like sit in it long enough, wrestle with God long enough Work out your own salvation long enough so that you can begin to see the resurrection power of God in your life. That's where I'm at with God now. I'm not going back, man. There's, there's nowhere back to go. 
I'm only going forward with Jesus. How about you? Yeah. So when we sing songs like, all hail King Jesus, that, as a man, I don't know, there's just something about the words. I'm like, yes, that's, he is my king, right? We like the romance, like, oh, I don't, but like the lovey songs, they're great, man. There's, there's beauty in that. But like, I, I need to know the roar of my God because we live in a very scared world, very worried world very depressed world, very anxious world. And I need to know that there is a God that sees it all, knows it all. And he says, man, if you would just come, if you would just give me your life, if you would just die, if you would just take up your cross, then you can live. Then you can breathe. Then you can walk in freedom. If you, would just, if you would just sit in it long enough, if you would just let me do my work, if you would just let me chisel at your soul and at your being, I will give you the life that you would never dream or imagine. But you have to be willing to sit with me, to walk with me, to dream with me. Give me all of what you have, and I'll give you all of who I am. And I'm not looking back, man. I'm not going back. So when the cross comes, I hope we have memory for a reason, by the way. Haven't you ever asked God that? Why don't you just take these memories away? Why not? It's like, well, we wouldn't know the wonder of the cross. Because there was injustice and pain and hurt done to you or you have done to others. There are moments where we just did not feel like there was light. And then we, we encounter the cross. We encounter God. And I get to go back when I sing songs like the power and the victory on him. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You've wiped all that clean. You've set me free from that stuff. I'm going to walk in my authority as a son now. I'm going to walk in my authority as a son of God. For those, the women, as a woman of God, I'm gonna walk and I'm gonna be confident and nothing and no one can skew that identity in my life. But if it wasn't for the cross, I wouldn't know who I am. If it wasn't for the cross, I wouldn't know I had to make a decision. If it wasn't for the cross, I wouldn't know that I could breathe again. If it wasn't for the cross, I wouldn't know that my sin and transgression and my evil thoughts were placed forevermore, forgiven forevermore. Thank Jesus for the cross. So right now, that's, that's the posture. It should feel heavy. Do you feel it? I feel it, man. It should feel heavy at times because sin is heavy. The wages of sin is so heavy that it leads to death. So I, sometimes I have to be like, Jeez, yeah, that, thank you, God. Whoa. I'm free, though. I'm a free man. You're a free man if you know Jesus. You're a free woman if you know his goodness. And you are set free. Don't let the devil hold you back on what God already set you free for. Don't let him do that to you. Just remind him of the cross. He's defeated at the cross. He had no idea, by the way what was going on. 
and, and we don't have time to go through this, but my Bible says that, that Jesus went down to hell. Do you know that? What was he doing on Saturday? He was going and shaking up hell and setting people free. Setting people free. I don't have enough time to go through the theology of it. But they didn't have freedom like you and I do. And he was letting the devil know, this is the place that you have to be. You have no more authority like you thought you did. You have no more dominion over men and women like you thought you did. You no longer reign like you thought you did. The keys are mine. And death no longer has a sting. And so that, that help, like go there, spiritually go there. Your sin placed, man, forever. Don't walk in it anymore. Don't live in it anymore. The keys are God's. The keys are Jesus. He holds the authority of life. Death no longer has a sting over your life. But without the cross, yeah, it did. It kind of did, actually. We didn't know what to do. What do we do? It's just painful. And Jesus said, I'm going to set you free for the rest of your life. You didn't do it. I did it. Imagine what the demons must have done as he walked. The light that prevailed from him, that, it, that came from him. My Bible says in Revelation, let the simile, symbolism help you, that when we get to heaven, the only light is Jesus. It's only God. So what, what does that tell you? Then when I have God, I am light. When I have God, I am set free. I no longer have to live in the dark. I no longer have to walk in the dark. Jesus has given me the keys to life and to light because of the cross. So thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Friend, you ought to, with your own words, say thank you, Jesus, for the cross. I am set free. I am free indeed. I am a free man. I am a free woman. Death no longer has a sting. My sin no longer has a sting. My mess up because of the cross, the bloodshed, the covering, the deliverance, Jesus says, it's done, man. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Amen?